Welcome to the High Income Business Writing Podcast, helping you propel your writing business to a whole new level. And now, here's your host, Ed Gandia. Hey there, welcome to the High Income Business Writing Podcast. I am your host, Ed Gandia, and this is the podcast for business writers and copywriters who want to earn more and less time doing work they love for better clients. You can find detailed show notes for this episode at b2blantra.com forward slash episode 219. Those notes always include a summary of our discussion as well as any links to resources we mention during the show. It's no surprise that running your own business is stressful. In fact, sometimes things can get so hectic that you might wonder if you'd be better off taking an office job. Now, of course, running away from stress is not really the answer especially if it involves going back to a day job. I know it is for me. The key is to have ways to cope with stress effectively and to lower your stress as best as you can when it does happen. Joining me on the show today is Kaylee Moore. She's a very successful freelance writer for SaaS and e-commerce companies. Kaylee is very driven. She's very ambitious, and that has enabled her to grow her business very quickly. But this success also generates quite a bit of stress for her. And after hitting a few rough patches, she realized that she needed to find better ways to manage stress and even reduce that stress whenever possible. In this conversation, we talk about two areas that she's addressed, self-care and implementing systems. And we talk about how they complement each other and how they enable her to sustain a high level of financial success while keeping her work fun and rewarding. I hope you enjoy the conversation. Kaylee, welcome back to the show. Great to have you back. Thanks for having me back. Like you said, it's been a while, but I'm so glad to chat with you again because I had such a good time the first time. So did I. So did I. And you shared some really good stuff with us and some things that really I hadn't thought through and never really tried. And I know my audience got a lot. I got a lot of feedback from them on some of these ideas that you shared for uh, prospecting and how cool they were. So, Oh, I'm so glad. Yeah, yeah, it's it's great to have you back. Been wanting to have you back for a while and today we're going to kind of take a totally different approach to our discussion. We're going to be talking about a completely different topic. Before we get there though, for people who are maybe not familiar with you, why don't you give us a bit of background, you know, what you do today, what kind of clients, what kind of work, and then uh, a bit of the journey on sure. how you got to this place. Yeah, so it's always evolving for me. I feel like that's kind of one of my strengths as a freelancer is that I continue to evolve. I'm six years in now for full-time freelance writing and it's changed a lot. It's even changed since the last time we chatted. But the short version of my story is I worked in PR for nonprofits fresh out of college. I did that for about two and a half years. Loved it, loved the people, but had a lot of extra energy. And so I started a little side hustle where I was doing some social media consulting, some freelance writing. And eventually that transformed it to something that I could do full time. It was keeping me really busy. And I was young and I thought, you know, I'm going to give myself 18 months, see if this works. And, you know, it's been six years. So in that time, it's really changed. I now focus primarily on creating blog content for e-commerce platforms. So like Shopify, big commerce, those types of people, and then the software that integrates with them. So that the tools for email marketing, for upselling, you know, there's a million different categories that those software tools fall into. But I help them create long form, really valuable pieces of blog content. And then on the side, I also do a little bit of reporting 
on retail and kind of a little bit of sustainable fashion too, which has some overlap with my day-to-day work. And I write for publications like Forbes, Vogue Business, Adweek. And that's just kind of my just for fun thing. Like it's interest-based. It opens some doors to interesting conversations and I really enjoy that. So again, always evolving, but that's kind of where I am now. Yeah, definitely very different. And um, it sounds like you have quite a bit of variety, which is cool. I do. Yeah. I really like that because I'm somebody who gets bored easily. So I appreciate the evolution of it all. So I know this is not the topic of our discussion, but I just have to ask you because I'm curious and I know listeners are probably thinking the same thing. You know, blogging has just gotten commoditized like crazy, Uh right? Blog posts, like that kind of work. Most people in most environments can't really do that for a living as kind of their core service. What do you find has enabled you to make a good living just focusing on writing blog content? Yeah. So I think for me, it's a matter of being a subject matter expert. So I really understand the somewhat technical nature of working with software and e-commerce companies. I have a lot of knowledge that I can pull from. I also have a lot of connections within the industry. So that's another big value add for me is that when I write, I can pull from my network and get really good fresh quotes, which is a huge perk for people when it comes to organic distribution, to just quality too. And then I also typically write really long form. So evergreen content that ranks really well. It's very educational. It's conversational. It's interesting. So it does a lot of things. It's very multi-purpose. And it's not just, hey, give me 500 words and call it good. It's very much focused on, we want the best writer for this. So we're going to go to her. And it's going to be expensive, but she's going to do a great job. And we're going to get a lot of results out of it. So I think that that's how I've been able to really like dig into this little world that I've fallen into and been able to sustain it for six years now, really just leaning into it and focusing on quality. I love that. I heard four things there, four elements, your expertise, right? Specialized expertise, the fact that it's long form, your contacts and your network, and of course, the right clients that approach this and are thinking about this the right way. You know, it seems like you need at least three out of those four for many things, right? To work well and for you to make a great living just doing this kind of work or anything that's been or continues to get heavily commoditized. Yeah, definitely. And like I said, it's easy to do the 500 words and call it good and to not really focus on the quality. Like people can do that all day long, but the people who really understand content strategy and long-term objectives and SEO and all of these other things that content can do when done right, when they pay for quality and they hire writers who really get it, I've just seen the results be so much stronger. Like for example, one of the people that I work with, I know that just one blog post alone resulted in $10,000 in revenue within a week. So I mean, the ROI of investing in this is huge and it just continues to pay off month after month. Wow. That's yeah. great. That's awesome. Well, great insight there. Yeah. Uh, so let's switch gears a little bit. You know, the, today I wanted to bring you in to talk about how to deal with stress as a self-employed professional. People think, oh, you're so lucky, you know, your own boss. And I always joke sometimes privately that, you know, I'm sometimes the worst possible boss in the world because <laughs> I'm really hard on myself. And I think many of us are too. If we're ambitious, we just uh, achievement minded. We really push ourselves to go after bigger and bigger goals and, and results. And you know that can be great in terms of getting an outcome, but you're also kind of uh, hurting the goose that's laying the golden eggs. Oh, yeah. So 
I'd like to talk a little bit about this whole handling stress. I guess there are a couple of areas that I'd like to touch on. They're very different. One is the area of self-care, because I know you've talked about this many times before. This is an important topic near and dear to your heart. And then I'd like to talk about kind of systems and tools that enable you to do the work faster and without having to think all the time at a deeper level, which can be exhausting. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah, that sounds great. So let's start with self-care and, and maybe you can give us a little bit of background, you know, because I know this is something that a few years ago became an imperative for you. So what got you there? Like what got you thinking, I got to change my ways? Yeah. So I totally agree with you on the fact that a lot of freelancers are very ambitious. They see all of this opportunity and they want to go, go, go. Like that's me, 100%. And for years, I stuck with that mentality and I just kept pushing ahead even when I was starting to feel a little bit burned out. And that a little bit turned into a whole lot. And the quality of my work just started to slip because I was constantly checking emails. I was just kind of on the hamster wheel with like never feeling like enough was done, always feeling like I needed to be doing something, always trying to say yes to things because opportunity and money, right? Like Mm -hmm. I saw them, I wanted them, but I was getting sick. I was getting like really physically sick and all the wonderful things that come with freelancing, like the flexibility and being able to travel. I wasn't taking advantage of those. I was just working all the time and it was just bad news. So I had to rethink what I was doing. I'm really grateful to have a partner who also encouraged me to do that, to just kind of have some external perspective from someone to say, what you're doing is not good right now. Like you got to do something different. So yeah, that kind of manifested in a few different ways. Yoga has been a huge help to me. Just taking some time at the end of every day or even in the morning, kind of depending on what my schedule looks like to stretch and meditate for a little bit. I'm not a great meditator, but I like to practice and I'm working on it. It's kind of a work in progress. And then being really strict about office hours too. That's been really, really helpful for me because before I would answer emails all the time, but now by sticking to set office hours and letting clients know up front when I'm available it's much more manageable for me. So even though I might be checking my inbox throughout the day and flagging things, I'm not constantly responding them on that defense mode, you know, where you're you're never getting anything done because you're always answering emails. So those are the big two things that jump out at me. Gotcha. Now, here's the interesting thing, right? Have you noticed that, let's take office hours, you know, when you started creating those boundaries for yourself, did you find that maybe your business suffered? Like, you know, clients were going away because you weren't responding immediately. No, not at all. They didn't care at all because they keep office hours too, right? Most of them work in an actual office. So they definitely have office hours and nothing I feel like with the work that I do is urgent enough to warrant a response within an hour. So I think that was just kind of my own mental hurdle to get over. And I've gone to a lot of therapy about this, to be completely candid. And it's really just a personal hurdle you have to get past to say, this is okay. It's fine to not respond right away. What's a maybe like a little hack? And I don't want to demean it because, I mean, when there's therapy involved, there's, there's a lot bundled in there. But what are some things that you say to yourself or do you do or boundaries that you set to make sure they stick? You know, so what's worked for you? Because I know in theory, it sounds like, okay, I got to do these things and I got to set these boundaries. But in practice, it can be very difficult. Yeah. Like I said, having a partner who is also good at keeping me accountable is really helpful. 
If you don't have a partner, just having like a friend or a fellow freelancer, I would definitely recommend that who just kind of checks in with you on a, on a regular basis and says like, Hey, are you doing the things we've talked about? Are you sticking to it? Like, what do you need help with? Do you need to text me every day at certain amount of times to make sure you're getting up out of your chair? I think the other thing too is I get a lot of anxiety from a really full inbox. So one of the things I've started doing is I'll still check my emails, but I'll use different color flags within my inbox to let me know what I need to tackle in priority order the next morning. So I know what I need to get to the next morning. It's not like I'm walking into the day with this huge stack of unread emails, but I'm not tackling them right away. I'm giving myself the time and space to let the things that people are asking for marinate overnight and then getting to them in the correct order the next morning. So that's really simple, but it's been really helpful. You know, that's great that you say that because I found the same thing with email. It's email triage is so important, like being able to quickly process and not wallow in that huge inbox has been Mm -hmm. a game changer for me. And I know a few years ago, I discovered that when I came back from a vacation and I had this massive inbox, I was very focused at processing and eliminating and just triaging my inbox. And I thought, you know, why can't I do that every day? Like I was so efficient, right? I cleared out like a thousand emails in no time. Wow. Probably take the same approach, which is, so I try to do that too, is I, I try to pretend that I only got 30 minutes or an hour to process all this email when I'm overloaded. And because I create that constraint, it just forces me to be, to make faster decisions and to be more efficient with my responses and so forth. Yeah. And I think the other thing with that is I'm somebody who always feels like every email needs to be answered. And I've gotten a lot better at saying, this doesn't really warrant a response. Like it's okay to move past this one or to let it sit. Or if they really need something, they'll follow up with me later. And so kind of being more selective about prioritization and you know what warrants a response, I think that that's been really helpful too. And just, again, getting over that personal hurdle of, oh, I need to answer this. You don't owe anybody your time. You, know, you don't owe anybody an immediate response. So I think that that's, again, another just thing you have to get over. Or you don't, you know, they send you a five paragraph email, you don't have to respond with five paragraphs. Right, <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah. Tell me a little bit about office hours. So what have you found works best for you? And what's your rhythm like that enables you to stay focused and reduce stress? Yeah, so I typically work in sprints. It's kind of a modified Pomodoro technique, even though I don't think of it in that formal technical sense. But I typically do my writing in two sprints, one in the morning and one in the afternoon. I start the day with a little bit of email. After my first work sprint of the day, I'll go outside and walk the dog or take a short break, get up, move around, come back, do a little bit more email, and then take my short lunch break. And then I start my second long work sprint where I do my writing work. And then I finish the day with another dog walk, email, and then stretching or exercise, some form of physical activity. And that structure is something that it took me a really long time to land on. It sounds super simple and like a no-brainer, but I tried a lot of different modifications of structuring my day. And that for me is just what's been most effective and productive. Sometimes it's modified a little bit depending on if I have like a phone call or a podcast recording, but working in sprints where I just really put my head down and focus and get that writing work done twice a day has helped me get out of like multiple tabs or looking at my email or checking in on social media. It's just really helpful for knocking things out and getting into a flow of deep work. Couldn't agree more. I'm a huge sprint guy. Same for the same yeah. reason. I get so unfocused otherwise. 
Tell me about deadline stress. I mean, like here's a perfect trigger to get anyone out of their routine or break their own rules. So how do you deal with, you know, you got multiple deadlines, maybe you took on a little bit more than, you know, you thought you could handle or that you normally handle. And now that stress is starting to creep in. How do you deal with that? So I'm a procrastinator. I'm not a procrastinator. I like to get things done way ahead of time. So for me, having plenty of padding when it comes to the deadline is really important. It's also good because then you under-promise, over-deliver every time with clients, which makes them really happy. So just making sure that I ask for more than enough time with every assignment has been really helpful. I think the other time, when I get overloaded or if I get sick like I am now, I finally gotten to the point where I feel like it's okay to ask for help. So I have a good network of fellow freelance writers who can step in and help me out if I have overflow projects or if I am getting too close to a deadline and I need a second set of eyes or I need somebody to come in and polish up a draft, like I have those people. And that has been such a game changer for me because it's allowed me to have a healthier business, both like mentally, physically, sustainability wise. And it's good too, because then I'm, you know, I'm paying people when I ask for their help. I'm supporting other freelancers. That feels good. If I have a totally full plate, I get to refer work out to other people I know and trust, which is good because then they do the same for me down the road. So asking for help has been really, really powerful for me. We don't have to get into this, but I'm just curious since you're doing that, how does that work? Because a lot of people say, well, yeah, in theory, I would have a network. People can jump on you know, work that has been assigned to me and have no problems. But you know, most people say, well, like nobody would really know how to do this because so much of the knowledge is in my head. How do you get around that? Yeah, I think it's a matter of knowing other people who work in your niche and really understand the subject matter, but then also coming to them with a lot of context. So for me, I always have a really thorough brief for everything that I write. So tons of detail, everything they would need to know to get up to speed on what it is that I'm working on, what the objectives are, who the client is, who we're writing for. So all that information is right there within the document that we're working on. So there's no guesswork. And if they have questions, like I'm always there, I can always help, you know, troubleshoot. And a lot of times it's just a matter of like, hey, I have this. It's not quite where it needs to be. Can you step in and finish it up for me? Or let me know like where the holes are, or I'm struggling with this section. Like, can you help me build this out? Little things like that. So it's not always a complete build out, but when it is, it's always super, super contextual with lots of background and lots of detail. That's great. So basically, it's about being organized and having systems in place, right? Definitely. Getting what you need up front, making sure you cover all the bases. That way, if somebody needed to step in, they could take over 80-90%, which is a huge help when you're sick or behind. Yeah. Perfect. So that's actually a good segue into this other section, right? The systems, processes, tools, methods. You've been really good about taking what I like to call reducing the decision fatigue in a lot of day-to-day interactions or operating aspects of your business. And you've created the templates that enable you to just get you know, 80%, 90% of the stuff already done and you just got to fill in the blank, so to speak. So tell us a little bit about what these are and we can dive into some of them, but in how you got here, like how did you think to come up with this? Yeah. So the templates were really just a matter of, like you said, saving some mental bandwidth, not reinventing the wheel every time I needed something. 
there are certain things you do as a freelancer that you do over and over, whether that's an onboarding email for a new client or starting a new project with a client you've never worked with before. There are always these things that you end up writing over and over and over again. So rather than doing that every single time, I just built out some templates that simplified that process and that made it easy for me to process size. Is that a word? You know I, we'll I mean. just go with it. Okay. Yeah. But to turn it into a process where it's just like, this is how I do things. So like I said, onboarding template for new clients, which I just tweak and, you know, edit to suit whoever it is that I'm working with. Also the one, another one that saved me a lot of time is having just like a rate and process email template that I send to anyone who reaches out and asks about my availability, what my rates are, how I scope projects. All of that is laid out and easy to share. And then a writing brief template. That's kind of what I talked about with all of the details for a writing assignment, whether it's target audience, objective of the post, what are the key points we need to touch on. So this is actually something that I just launched as my first digital product on my website is a template bundle. So it's all the templates that I use day to day in my business, just available to anyone else who's like, oh, you know, I need that, but I don't know what it should look like. So it's, mm-hmm. it, it's there. That's really cool. And of course, all these that you're mentioning are included in there. These are things yes. you've just bundled together. Tell me about the writing brief template. Of course, that's once you land the project and you're trying yeah. to get that information, right? Yeah. So, so many clients come to me and they're like, we want to write this post. Here's the subject line. Here's the summary. And I'm like, okay, I need a lot more information than that. Yeah. So rather than getting on a call or going back and forth, I say, I'd love for you to fill out this writing brief template. It's got all the questions in there that I need answered. It'll give me all the detail that I need to get up to speed. Whenever that's done, let me know and I'll start working on an outline from there. And so it makes me look super professional because it says, hey, I've got this. Like, this is my process. I know how this works. I know what information I need. And it also is great for them because sometimes it asks them questions they haven't quite thought about yet. And it makes sure that we're saving time as far as like, have you thought about this yet? Are you really clear about who your customer personas are? and What is the value that you provide that's unique over everyone else? Those are the things that I need to know. And those are the things often that get glazed over or missed in the, even in those phone conversations because you get talking and you get distracted. So this is a really smart, efficient way to get all that information that's so, so important in one place that you can both see and refer back to as well. I love that. I love that. Just a quick aside here, not to get in the weeds, but do you have these stored in as like canned responses or templates in Gmail so you can just, you know, you don't have to copy and paste? How do you manage that process? Yeah, I do. I just have them as templates in Gmail. And every time I need it, I pop it in and I kind of tweak it and customize it as needed. So yeah, it takes seconds. It's super fast. Yeah, we do the same thing. I also have this thing, this little app called Text Expander. Oh, um, yeah, yeah. Right. That, um, That's so great. I think it works with PC and Mac. I'm on a Mac, but it, mm-hmm. uh, you just basically type in a macro, like four letters or whatever in a number, and it just populates all this text. Um, it's just awesome for Game standard changer. responses. Yeah, it totally is. So onboarding template, like writing brief template. What are some of the other ones that you've come up with that have been really helpful? I'm trying to think. I think I you hope- mentioned like a screening, like a yeah, prospect a- screening one, right? Yeah. So Prospect screening is big because so often you end up getting on a phone call with somebody who ends up not being a good fit. So you've not only wasted your own time, but you've wasted their time as well. 
So a series of four to five questions that'll help you both determine if it's going to be a good fit. Those are often things like, what's your budget for this? What's the turnaround time? So you know if it's realistic for you also bandwidth wise for you to say yes to a project. Mm -hmm. Um, Like what are some examples of content you admire? So you know if the writing voice, tone, style, formatting is something that you can do and feel comfortable with. And then also, I think just why did you come to me? Like why me over anybody else? So if they're just looking for cheap and done, you can kind of feel that out (laughs) before you even get on the phone. And you can maybe send them in another direction or point them somewhere rather than spending a bunch of time educating them when it's never going to happen. Yeah. And these are questions that you ask over email or in a form or a conversation. Yeah, form on the website. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, like knowing which questions, you know, should I ask? Uh, right. Because many times, oh man, I should have asked this other thing. Right. And it's yeah. too late. And you're uh, only one person. So you really have to be mindful of your time and your bandwidth and you know, every time that you get on a call and tie up 30 minutes or an hour, that's time that you're not making money, especially if the call doesn't pan out and you find that it isn't a good fit. So it's really important to be super protective of investing time and energy into getting on the phone with someone. Absolutely. I'm a huge believer in that qualification process. I think another one you had mentioned to me was like a proposal template, right. right? Yeah. So I really don't use a proposal a whole lot. I did when I was first getting started and it really depends on the client. Some clients want a formal proposal. Others just want like a general rundown of your rates and process. But I always like to have a template for a proposal because that's a huge time suck Mm -hmm. (laughs) if you have to create that from scratch. So yeah, I always have that handy as well in case someone asks for it. And yes, that's part of the bundle too. And of course, then there is once you send something, a quote or proposal or whatever it might be is the follow-up. I know a right. lot of people are struggle with the follow-up. What's your approach to follow-up? Do you have kind of different follow-up messages depending on where you are, which number of a follow-up attempt? Yeah. So I have a general follow-up for if the client and I have agreed on a project, but I haven't heard back in a while. And then I also have a general follow-up for if there's somebody that I haven't worked with in a while, but I really enjoyed working with them. And I just kind of want to touch base and say, hey, I'm here if you need me. I have templates for both of those too, which again is just a time saver. Those are both emails I send all the time. So it'd be silly for me to write them out from scratch every single time. Mm -hmm. Um, So again, it's good to just have those ready to go. So I'm curious when, if somebody's thinking about starting to create their own stuff, I mean, what processes or what areas would you encourage people start looking at? Um, Because this could sound so overwhelming, but where would be a good place to start or how do you approach this? Yeah, I think definitely start with the rates and process email for when people reach out, a lead connects with you and says, hey, you know, this might be a good fit. I'd love to chat with you. Hit them right back with, here's my rates. Here's my availability. Here's what my process looks like. If this sounds good, then we can chat more because then again, you're doing the pre-qualifying and making sure that you're not tying up your time. Mm -hmm. Um, So just having a template where all of that is spelled out in a lot of detail it'll also make you look a lot more professional too because you have very clearly laid out expectations. You can also tie in some really powerful forms of social proof with this type of template, whether it's past results that you've produced for clients or testimonials that really kind of sell your value and why you're charging the rates that you're charging. I actually have a whole page on my website that explains why my rates are what they are. Yeah. So it's just kind of a, it's a quick form of education and it makes sure that you're both on the same page before you get in too far. Well, definitely want to link to that in the show notes page because 
that's one that I rarely see people use. It's they kind of hide that or they're not sure how to talk about it or they don't. Period. Yeah. That's- yeah. And it's a weird thing. Like people get uncomfortable talking about money. I totally get it. But I feel like it's such an important piece of that value conversation. And again, like it's education. So why are you charging what you're charging? What's included? What's your process look like? Like, what do I need to know? What am I paying for here? Basically, I think having that all laid out is really important and valuable. Now, I don't have the page in front of me, but if you were to pick one thing on that page that you know has resonated really well with prospects and clients, what's one that you hear a lot? I know that they like hearing like how many edits are included in my process and in my rates. I know another thing that probably jumps out from the page, I don't know if people like it, but it says something to the extent of like, if you're looking for cheap and done, you're in the wrong place. Yeah. It's it's not going to be cheap, but it's going to be quality and here's why. And here's some social proof that backs that up. I think it's smart. I mean, you got to be clear and bold about these things. Yeah. And And if you're good, you have to say so. I mean, no one else is going to say it for you. Yeah. Yeah. I'm with you. One of the things that it's interesting. I found that you have to really listen to your clients and what kind of feedback they give you, especially after a project. Once there's a little bit more trust, they say, you know, I really love this about you, or I love the way you did this. Or, you know, one of the things that I like about working with you is this other thing. Pay attention to that. I mean, I know most of us are too humble and we feel uncomfortable taking compliments, accepting compliments. But, you know, not only does it, should it make you feel good, if you take particular note of those things, that's how you update your copy. You know, yeah. gold there. It's like, you know what? People keep telling me this. I should make a big deal out of it on my site. Definitely. Especially hard numbers. Like if you've produced like really impressive results for a client or if they've said something really nice about you. I also think it's really important to have kind of an exit interview with clients when you've finished a first project and say, what worked really well? What could improve? would you recommend me to a friend? And if so, what would you say? Because then you're gathering a testimonial and you're fine-tuning your process every single time you work with somebody new. You're figuring out how you could be better and kind of where your shortcomings are. Now, do you do that via email or do you schedule a phone call to go? Yep, just via email. That's another template I have. So it's an exit interview template. Mm -hmm. um, And it asks basically what I just said, like three or four simple questions. And then I just drop it into a spreadsheet so I can look for common themes and patterns. And again, like you said, incorporate that into website copy or tie it into the onboarding template. Use that information in different places. Oh, that's brilliant. I love that. Especially if you make it easy for them to respond to it, right? Yeah. I mean, obviously, you don't don't have to have 19 questions. Right. It can be simple and quick. Yeah. That's very cool. Any other thoughts or recommendations as we start closing on, you know, just again, reducing that cognitive load so you don't have to think about this stuff all the time and opportunities for doing so and things that have really saved you a lot of time and stress? You know, I think a lot of people get caught up with different software and tools that they think are going to make their lives easier. And then they end up being frustrated by them or spending a lot of time like learning how to use them. I am super no frills when it comes to processes and tools. I mostly use like Google Drive or Google Docs or Google Spreadsheets. And I keep everything super simple so that I don't waste a lot of time working around someone else's tool or getting frustrated by things that don't work the way I want them to. So I think it's really important to be clear about what works best for you and to not worry so much about like, oh, I should be using this fancy, shiny thing. Figure out what's going to be most efficient for you and don't overcomplicate it with 
different tools and features and things like that. Like keep it super, super simple and streamlined. That's great advice because it's got to work for you. At the end of the day, if you're not going to use it, you know, for the fanciest tool in the world, it's not going to make a difference. Right. So yeah, couldn't agree more. Kaylee, thank you. Thank you for coming on. I want to make sure folks know a couple of things. First of all, where to connect with you and learn more about you and your work and also where they can learn about this template bundle because I'm really intrigued by this. Yeah. All of that is at my website, which is kayleemore.com. My first name is kind of hard to spell, so you probably have to look at the show notes for that. And I also spend a lot of time on Twitter. So if anybody ever has questions or wants to connect, my name there is Kaylee F. Again, first name is hard to spell, but yeah, I'm always happy to connect with people there and chat and answer questions. Cool. And on your website, it'll be pretty obvious where to check out that template bundle. Yes. It's right up top. It's under the product section. Okay. Awesome. Hey, thanks for coming on the show again. It's been a pleasure catching up and I really appreciate everything you shared with us today. This is Yeah, this has been fun. Thank you so much, Ed. The High Income Business Writing Podcast is a production of B2B Business Launcher. Learn more at b2blauncher.com.